0: Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension beef educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the May issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled, What are my options when I'm out of grass? To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by one of the co-authors, Dr. Carla Wilkie, who's the University of Nebraska CalCast Systems and Stocker Management Specialist. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Dr. Wilkie, as we record this podcast, we're setting here at the end of April 1st of May and drought has got a firm foothold across much of the Great Plains. In fact, we're seeing a lot of situations where people are looking at pastures and thinking if we do turn out, it's going to need to be delayed or we may not even have the option of turning out onto grass. With that in mind, what are some things producers need to think through as they think about what their options are if they're not going to be able to take cattle to grass,
1: so in the article, I just tried to um, think of some things, and my co-author, Dr. Mary Dronowski, kind of helped me with some of the parts of it that are very strong on her experience side of it. And so, what we tried to put together was just some some different options. And so, the first option that we talked about a little bit in the article was planting annual forages on irrigated cropland, and that allowing producers to defer when they go to their perennial pastures or um, maybe go to the perennial pasture, come in early, have that annual forage crop as a possibility to go to next, so that they could delay the time that they had to sell pears or put um, pears in consignment, that kind of thing. and in the that section, we just we talked about um, cool season annuals being the most probably productive. and, you know, planting that early in the season and and then maybe grazing some of those. So that was the first thing that we kind of discussed.
0: So as we think about things like that, obviously we're at the point now where something like oats, spring triticale, we're starting to get a little bit late to plant those. Still could, uh, could still have that, but we also may be looking more towards a summer annual, those going in late May, early June, grazing starting those uh, early to mid-July. So Those are kind of some options available from an annual forage standpoint. So you also talked about feeding supplemental feed on pasture. Uh, Walk through with us a little bit, the thought process there. How would you utilize that? Where would you utilize that? What would be some things to be aware of if you're going to try to take cows to pasture still, but provide some supplemental feed on pasture?
1: So university of Nebraska has done some research on putting together a mixture of really poor quality roughages like uh, residues, cornstalk bales or wheat straw and grinding those and mixing them with wet distillers. And then feeding that on pasture to try to fill the gut a little bit and reduce the amount of grass that the cattle consume when they're out on the pasture. So what that research showed is that probably the best mixture is 30, percent wet distillers, 70% wheat straw on a dry matter basis. And that kind of actually comes out to about 50-50 on a as-is basis. And um, so then they can feed that and it'll only replace like a pound of dry matter of that mixture will only replace half a pound of what they go out there and graze because they're gonna chase some grass. But it can stretch your pasture. It's it's not a means of um, leaving them out there on that pasture and feeding that the whole summer because they're going to continue to overgraze the pasture. And it's not really a good plan to implement when producers realize this pasture needs these cattle off. So, you know, I could do this now. It's It's really something you got to do early on and then be prepared to just leave them out there a little longer than you could if they were not being supplemented. But it's, You gotta be really careful and watch the pasture because you can still overgraze the pasture is my point.
0: And really this has application in my mind, more eastern Nebraska, where we're talking introduced species, Mm -hmm. smooth brome, things like that. Probably not a great option if we're thinking about sandhills rangeland. Is that correct?
1: And that may be particularly true because if it's really dry, you know, in the sand is kind of powdery, that kind of thing, you know, you need to be kind of careful. But um, but I think it can get you maybe a few more grazing days. But the other thing that's going to be a real issue for producers, especially, as you mentioned, like the Sandhills, is the freight costs on getting some of those things up there because they aren't going to be very close to an ethanol plant. They're not going to necessarily be very close to wheat straw or corn stock bales. You know, they're going to be closer to like meadow hay. And when they try to use the meadow hay on that research, they only got like 0. 0.22 pounds of replacement. Um, Cause you just don't get the bulk in the rumen. And so you just gotta be very careful trying to use some of those things.
0: So with that in mind, let's talk about a sand hill scenario a little bit. If I've got some carryover meadow hay and I I'm just looking at my pastures and turning out is not looking very rosy. What are some options to think through with what I might do there?
1: Uh, for feeding like the hay in the um, the winter ground, winter feed ground. Kind yeah, of winter
0: feed ground, or you know, let's say I've I've got a, a dry lot, or I've got a calving lot, and I've got I've got some carryover mm-hmm. hay, and you know, I know that that quality that hay is not good enough to meet the needs of a lactating cow. What do I think about in terms of what I could do to try to stretch what I have, complement what I have, and and get some more days before I need to go to grass.
1: Well, I, you know, some of the people up in the sandhills have caker bins and cakers on the pickup, and so they may have access to a, a protein cube or something. And if it's a protein energy cube, they may be able to feed some of that with the with the hay. Um, but you gotta remember that what you would feed those cows in the winter time for their needs that meets their needs as a gestating cow is not. Going to meet their needs as a lactating cow, um, so um, you you know if you could get some wet distillers, um, you can mix that in a vertical mixer if you had one something like that. It just it's going to depend a lot on what they have for um, equipment and you know what they can get for commodities up there.
0: So a bale processor and again it would be oh, expensive, yeah. but uh, dried distillers yeah. grains cube could be an option to. Mm-hmm to stretch things for a while anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That would if they had that, some of those producers I've noticed are, um, this is, I hate it when we get drought in those areas because they do have more limitations in equipment that they, they own and, and some of those commodities that they can get brought in or have the ability to store or handle. And so it makes it really difficult. And, um, I always want to come up with a solution and sometimes those solutions are, you know, they can be a biological solution, but you you really got to put the math to it and figure out if it's an economical solution
0: too. So let's talk about the economics just a little bit right now. And as we look at current commodity prices, as you start to think about formulating a diet, that's going to meet the needs of a lactating cow at current market prices for feeds, what's a ballpark number we're looking at in terms of cost per head per day for feed?
1: Well, I've done several of these rations for people um, trying to figure out if they can just feed in confinement and and you can, but this year because of the price of distillers, the price of corn, the price of hay, um, silage, everything being so high that the diet that meets the lactating cow and her calf, because you got to remember, you got to throw in some feed for that calf, especially if there's nothing else out there for the calf, then then depending on how close they are to um, some of those commodities and things, that could be 250 dollars to closer to $3 a day per pair. So it's got to be kind of a short-term full-time because it could get expensive. The calves are going to be worth something this year, I think, but you got to be really careful because you can get a lot of money tied up
0: in feed this year. So let's talk about that strategy a little bit. Let's say I've got a cow-calf pair or I'm going to be calving soon and I want to get some age on that calf to an early weaning date, walk through with me a little bit, some logistics, thinking about this cow-calf parent confinement. How do I set that up? Uh, how do I think about then when I can early wean the calf? Let's just talk through some of those options a bit.
1: Okay. So if the calf has to be in confinement, they need to be, I mean, it needs to be confinement in that they are not out on the pasture like they normally are, but we need to give that baby calf some space to get away from the cows. Um, we can have that pathogen load in that baby if he's um, too tight in there with everybody's cow and, and the calves are hanging out under a, a little shed together, you know, and defecating in there, they can, they can share some pathogen loads. And so we need to make sure that even though we're feeding in confinement, that we've got some space for that calf, and if there's any way to make him a little area where he can go under a gate or through a vertical creek gate or something to have some space away from cows. I mean, if you can set that up, that's going to be certainly uh, helpful to his health. Uh, he will, by the time he's a month old, he's going to be eating 1% to 1.5% of his uh, body weight on a dry matter basis. So depending on how wet, you know, if you've got a 50 Percent dry matter, 50% moisture ration, and that's three pounds of feed you got to allot to him. If you can allot him a space where he has his own feed and the cow can't get to it, um, that can be very useful, but that can be like that can mean running the feed truck twice because you may be getting him a better quality diet than what you're feeding the cows, and you know, like with some hay and a little bit of corn and some distillers, especially distillers, that baby calf is going to need some, some good, room, degradable protein for for growth. So it'd be good if we could get that in his diet. If there's a shortage of things, you know, maybe we want to make sure we get needs met first. So then, when you go to wean them, what I have found is if you have it set up where they won't crawl through the fence, then the fence line weaning is pretty slick for them. They are very comfortable eating out of a bunch that know what the feed truck is and can just eat on their side without going back to mom and they don't ball for more than two days. So, you know, sometimes you just got to think about how long do you want to do the confinement? What's your goal with the calf? What are you trying to do?
0: Anything else on this, Dr. Wilkie, you think would be valuable to think through as we look at current circumstances and consider options?
1: Well, you know, one other thought that they might think through, we have some NEB guides on annual forages. They're G2185, G2262, and G2172. And I think one of them, you and I wrote on using some annual forages in drought. So, you know, one of those is kind of helpful there. But we talked a little bit about like, well, maybe you could graze the summer annual too. I think two other options for those are more expensive for um, for the equipment and things, but haying and chopping a silage are options for those because if you are a person who has crop ground and you've decided that you want to do annual forages on it, you may have a bunch of other farming that you need to do. And summer annuals, are hard to manage from a grazing standpoint. They take a lot of labor intensity to move the cattle and, you know, intensively graze, getting the rotations down and stuff. And there can be some forage loss there when it, when we do get a little rain and it takes off and you had to go plant something somewhere else and didn't get those cows moved. And so because everything is so expensive this year, that's something else to think about is how do I handle that forage in the way that gets me the most out of it? And so that's something to think about too. And then I think the other thing that's really important there is that commodity prices are very high. And if you're in a family operation where one person's doing the, the farming and one person's running the cattle and the person running the farming wants to plant $8 corn there, then you need to have some conversations early, I think, and you know, figure out what's the best Sometimes we want to save the cows so much that, you know, we don't look at some of the the alternative costs for that. So just to be aware of some of those things that we need to think through when we're making those tough decisions, I guess.
0: I think also we're looking at scenarios. And again, I don't, I hope this is wrong, but if we don't see some significant moisture in the next month or so, you know, there's some of these winter wheats, things like that, that may not uh, have much for grain. And there may be some emergency feed options there where we could either harvest those as hay or silage and and have some feed available also that way. So the other thing I think is there's some water allocation limitations that may challenge some traditional crops where a forage would still be an option as we look to this summer, Uh, thinking about the Platte Valley there and, and canal allocations. So I think there's just some things to think through some strategies to look at how do I grow the most energy and protein I can with the limited water I may have access to.
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, thanks again for joining me today.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: But for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website at the website. You can find this article. Again, the title of the article is What Are My Options When I'm Out of Grass? I also would mention that Nebraska Extension Specialists and Educators are available. That if you're looking to think about different ration options or consider possibilities, would encourage you to utilize the resources that are available. And again, contact information for those resources can be found at the beef.unl.edu website.